All right, everybody. Hello, and welcome back to Screen Streets. I am Joel. I'm here with my buddy Cameron, and uh, we're here to talk about movies from the past, present, and future. Um, how was your week, Cameron? Did you have a Merry Christmas? Yeah, I had a pretty good Christmas. You know, the family's all happy. My kiddos are pleased with their scooters and various toys. You didn't get any of the uh, noise-making toys, did you? Not really. Not really. Not too bad on the noise. Well, the scooters make a lot of noise because they ride them inside. Ride them inside? Are they inside scooters? They're not inside scooters. (laughs) All right. They're kind of inside kids, so... Yeah, my, my my friend Asher has a has a one year old, and I guess his his, uh, his mom got him a a little rocking a little rocking horse for his daughter that just makes all kinds of racket that he's he's super pleased with. Yeah, you know be, when they're that glad little... you're out of that age range where they need all the bells and whistles. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, I had a, I had a pretty moment. good Christmas. Uh, like, I ended up getting an iPad, which was really, like, shocking. Shout out and thank you to the man who got me that. Like, Who I, got you that? Uh, my friend Lee. Shout out, Lee. Shout out, Lee. And, uh, yeah, so my, like, I don't have a TV. I live in a really, like, small apartment. And so, like, this just upgraded my movie viewing tenfold that's fantastic like it's an amazing screen like i'm in love with watching stuff on this thing so i'm really happy about that and uh we got the new year coming up do you have any new year's resolutions resolutions no no i don't make new year's resolutions because i I don't i probably wouldn't follow them up and i don't want to disappoint myself that's a good point (laughs) give up before you try yeah how about you joel you got anything um, not usually, but like, I don't know, this year I want to like work hard on screen streets and make this the best possible podcast we can. Yeah. Yeah. That's my resolution as well then. <laughs> so let's hope it doesn't crash and burn. Let's hope not. Uh, well, let's jump right into word on the street. Yeah. Uh, word on the street, Cameron, is that, have you heard of the, the Queen's Gambit? Yeah, I've heard of it. I've not watched it. Like it's a very like it's a very popular like it's like just like Ozark, like it just appeared and like everyone's watching it and it's really popular. Yeah. And like apparently like this is based on a book from like a while ago, like a long time ago. And um from what I read, it was originally set to become a movie that was going to be Heath Ledger's directorial debut. Mm. And uh, it was going to start Elliot Page, like right after he started Juno. Okay. And uh, so they ended up not making it because I guess like to make it into a movie, to make it like a two hour movie, like it basically would have just boiled it down to like it's a sports movie now and just it's about this chess and she has to win but like they were able to insert all the intricacies of like like she's like a chess prodigy that like struggles with drug addiction 
And I've watched a couple okay. episodes. It's really good. Of the Queen's Gambit? Yeah. It starts that. Yeah, Anya, people are Anya talking Taylor about it. Joy. Yeah. There's got to be something there because it's, it's popular. I just haven't gotten around to it. There's so many things to watch. I know. Like every, that's why we do this podcast. Every week there's new things to watch that who knows what's good and what's not. That's what we're here for. That's what we do. But uh, what do you think about that? That Heath Ledger was attached to direct at one point. That's just kind of sad. It always makes me sad thinking about Heath Ledger and how he died right when he turned in that incredible Joker performance and we didn't get to see where he could have gone after that. Yeah, it's like it reminds me of the Chadwick Boseman performance from last week. It's like he finally delivers this like knockout incredible performance and then that's just kind of his lasting impression. Yeah. And speaking yep. of uh, speaking of passing away, I just as a wrestling fan, I just wanted to throw a throw my condolences out to the friends and family of Brody Lee, a wrestler who passed away on Saturday. Who I was a huge fan of. I was and too. I, and it and it really sucks, and I'm really bummed out about it. And he just from everything, from all the outpouring of love that he's gotten, like, it's it's more than I've seen for, like, any wrestler in recent memory that's passed away. Like, he was a beloved wrestler and a beloved friend and father and husband. And, like, it really sucks when, like, like he was really starting to come into his own. Like, after years of kind of being under Vince McMahon's thumb, he, he branched out into the All Elite Wrestling, the new promotion that's, like, lighting the world on fire and he was like a big part of it and he was doing really well for himself finally so like it really sucks that he left this world like right as he was catching fire it does i always said when he was in wwe as luke harper that he was always the most underrated underutilized guy there because he was an incredible performer and it sucks yeah, I guess he died of, like, some non-COVID, like, lung issue that, like, it took him out in, like, two months. Like, he was fine, like, a couple months ago, and then just ended up with this lung thing that hospitalized him, and he just never could come back from it. He's only yeah. 41. Yeah. Scary. That's his old, That's my age. So, like, yeah, you never know, like, just when, you're, when your card gets pulled, you never know when that's going to be. It's scary stuff, man. Yeah, it is. sad. Just to throw that in there, I just wanted to remember to throw a rest in peace, Brody Lee. I'm with you. All right, and uh, word on the street, I got uh, word on the street for a couple of a couple of plot hole news that has come out in the last week. Okay, like I read a a fan theory has been making the rounds about Home Alone. We just talked about last week. Yeah, that uh. <clears throat> Eagle-eyed viewers have spotted during the scene in Home Alone where, like, like he spilled the milk and, like, ah, go to bed, like, get out of here, go upstairs. Like, they're all yeah. mad at Kevin. Yeah. Like, what you did, you little jerk. Frank. Like, like after, after that scene, like, when, when Peter, Kevin's dad, was, like, cleaning up and stuff, like, he throws <clears throat> a bunch of stuff in the trash. And in the trash, you can see Kevin's American Airlines ticket in the garbage. That's a disorganized family, man. 
But yeah, like, keep... the the theory is because like they went and like counted heads the next morning. Like it's like they never had his ticket. Like his dad intentionally threw his ticket away and hired burglars to come and take <laughs> out his son on Christmas. Oh, this is ridiculous. I don't like it. That's I don't like it either. I'm just throwing out the news, the theory that's going around that. The Peter McAllister was like, I'm tired of this kid causing shit for this family. Like, we're gonna we're gonna leave him here and go go to Paris and I'm gonna hire these burglars. They're gonna come and they're gonna kill Kevin and our family will be united. <laughs> That's the theory that's going around. It's a and terrible like, theory. It doesn't hold up. This is a dark world we live in where where this is where minds people people's minds go. It doesn't hold up. The burglars they don't know that there's nobody in the house when Kevin's messing with them and throwing the fake parties with the Michael Jordan cutout and whatnot. Well, well, no, the theory is that he hired the burglars knowing that Kevin would be home, but that they wouldn't know he's home and that they would just do the job. How, why would he, who hires burglars? Like, did they have a hierarchy that I didn't, I don't it, know. This, this is, is terrible. Theory. I'm just, I'm just throwing the news out there. I think it was a, nice little uh detail that it was an accident clearly it was an accident because he's knocking soda over and everything he knocks the soda into the trash can i think that's what messes up the ticket where the why, ticket why is why would the ticket be so close to the trash like why would there the ticket a... be like at the dinner table because they're an extremely disorganized family man just running around crazy every single time they have to go to the airport they're just they're just not uh, organized right, and ready. Cameron is not buying this theory. I don't like it. I don't right. like... No. The next plot hole news is from Toy Story. Okay. Where in an interview with the Toy Story director, he, he addresses it. It's, a, it's the plot hole where Buzz Lightyear went rigid and like fell down with all the other toys when humans were around, even though he believed he was not a toy. Yeah. And the director said that the reason for this, and I quote is nobody cares. (laughs) Like this, this was brought up to him and his, his, I quote, like quote unquote was nobody cares. But he clearly cares to bring it up, director. I, I thought that was kind of a shitty response. Just like, <laughs> like why did why did you give this interview if you're just gonna be like, what? Fuck you. Nobody cares. <laughs> Next question. I kind of like it. I kind of like the balls there. <laughs> like, get a life, guys. Yeah. What What is your thoughts on that on that plot hole? I don't know, man. I some magical kind of world. I figure you know you the humans. If as soon as they lay eyes on toys, whether they like it or not, they just they just go limp. Is it safe to say that you don't care? Yeah, I'm I'm director guy. I don't. I, nobody All cares. Right. I mean, Fair it's enough. fine. It doesn't. What do you What do you want to dig into here? What's the What's the theory on this one? There, there is none. They're just like, how come when Buzz Lightyear believes that he's really a space ranger? That he falls dead with all the other toys when humans are around. Oh, well, nobody cares. <laughs> all right. Next question. Thank you for your candid answer. I guess it, uh, yeah, it makes sense because 
sometimes when you see the toys against Andy or the sister or whatever, they, you can see them blinking when they're not looking. But So, and our, and our final careful. word on the street, I don't think you're going to like this one. Okay, Marston the Home Alone? Uh, oh, yeah. Like, like, much. Okay. Like, that was lighthearted. This is not so much. Uh, word on the street is that your boy, Shia LaBeouf, had a rough week yeah yeah he, uh, he his his ex-girlfriend has come out with claims of of sexual battery of assault of emotional distress of him intentionally injecting her with an std he would drive around the los angeles streets shooting stray dogs whoa <laughs> what i didn't hear this yeah, like he, uh, he's been fired from Olivia Wilde's new movie for her, like, no asshole policy for getting confrontational and combative with cast and crew. Like he was, he was in talks to be a star in a new MCU movie and that's off the table now. Like he, uh, like he kind of lit his career on fire this week after these allegations came out and like was a bunch of his other ex-girlfriends have chimed in being like, yeah, this completely tracks like this, this checks out. Yeah. So uh, it's a bad week. I know you're a big fan. It's a, it's a bad week for your boy. I've been a big fan since even Stevens. I thought he was a comedic kind of savant. When he was on Even Stevens as a kid. And yeah, I'm a fan and this this does suck. It's not good news. Apparently he's he's a very troubled troubled guy and kind of a piece of shit. Like, it's really he's not he's not doing the world any favors by by acting the way he's acting. Like I mean it took it took fucking Michael Vick years to come back from dog fighting. And that stigma has never washed away. Like he's no. still seen as that guy, and like he gave those dogs a fighting chance. Like you, you go around L.A. shooting stray dogs, and you're you're not going to be viewed in any kind of positive light. For I don't like that. The rest of your life, I certainly don't like that. I don't like that you said Michael Vick gave the dogs a fighting chance. I guess technically, but those dogs, none of them came out of it well. Come on, sure. But I hate Michael Vick with threat. the passion. He wasn't just yeah. going around shooting dogs. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's... Uh, I I read yeah. that Sia, the singer, he had an affair with Sia, and she wasn't happy with him either. I'm, he did that I'm, music video with her. I can't say I'm surprised. I mean, I'm surprised at the, the levity of it, or not levity, the, the extent of it. Yeah. But... I, I can't say I'm no surprised. He's, he's like every time I've seen him, like he's been a very like every time I've seen him in a non-acting capacity, he seems very intense and very like there's there's something psychopathic underneath the surface there. Like he's very manic and like like very manic, like to the point where I'm just like I could not handle his energy. It's uh like, yeah. Like, he just seems like a confrontational guy. Like whenever I've seen him, like he's been very angry, 
real quick. Like he, he, I don't know. So that's, that's what's going around in the news about him. Like he's, he's having a rough week and he, from all, I mean, for all intents and purposes, he's probably blacklisted from Hollywood now. Like you don't, you don't really come back from all of that. Yeah. He had a hard enough time coming back from his last snafu. I know he kind of had a little forward momentum going after like honey boy and the peanut butter Falcon. Like he started getting some roles again and yeah, that's, that's done. That's done. Yeah. It is sad. I am sad about that. Yeah. I thought he was going to be the next like great comedic actor back in the day. Cause he was great on even Stevens. Truly. Those hold up. I did not watch even Stevens. It's on Disney like plus. My... Check it out. Okay. If you, I mean, it's and, uh, maybe if there's no nostalgia attached, it won't be as good, but I still think it holds up pretty well. Uh, that does it for word on the street. Nope. And uh, I'm going to jump into our next segment here, which is viewer's choice. Like we, we got an email last week from Zach X who requested that we watch escape at Danamora. And, uh, I am the only one with capabilities to watch that because it was on Amazon Prime. So I, I went ahead and watched that and will give my review now. So you watched the um, first two episodes like we do with Binger Cringe? I watched four episodes. Oh, wow. Okay. Like, I, And I plan to continue. Like, I want to see how it ends. Like, it, it has engrossed me and, like, held my attention. Like, I, I want to see what happens. But uh, it's about... It's about, it takes place in this prison where these these two prisoners, inmate Matt and inmate Sweat, have designs of, like, they want to get the fuck out of prison. And they work in, like, a, like, like, tailor, like, they're, they're making, like, prison clothes, like, they work in this, like, tailor section and the the supervisor there is played by a tr- Patricia Arquette, and she is a very lonely housewife, like neglected, lonely housewife, and is very naive at the attention bestowed upon her by inmate Sweat and inmate Matt, and they kind of get in her ear and let her let her think they they're in love with her and they're like gonna start a whole life together the three of them when when they all get on the outside and so she like they i mean they go in the back room the little back area where all their supplies are and they'll like bang one out real quick with her and make her feel good and happy and then they'll be like, hey, do you think you could, like, do us a favor and get us, like, little hacksaws? And she's like, all right, yeah. And so she starts delivering them, like, just at very huge risk to herself. She's, like, a civilian employee. Like, she's not in the prison. Yeah. And she's, like, just, like, all these little schemes to get them, like, little by little, all the things they need to escape. And I'm in the part of the show where they're like, 
the inmates are played by Benicio del Toro and Paul Dano. Oh, okay. And... Yeah, and they're really good. Like all the acting is really, really stellar. I love those guys. So yeah. Yeah, I love Paul Dano in it and Benicio. Like they're both great yeah. in it, but like I like Paul Dano's character a little better because Benicio del Toro's his typical kind of sleazy. Like I don't, I don't like the way he looks at people. Benicio. But, but uh, yeah, I'm in the part in the show where like they're Paul Dano's doing all the fucking heavy lifting. Like he's going down in the tunnels and like slowly but surely like chipping away at it. And that's kind of where I'm at in the show. Like the the show started out with like Bonnie Hunt as this like investigator is interviewing Patricia Arquette's character. Like just starting out with like these questions about like did you have sex with any of these inmates and she's like no no i didn't and like this is like the first scene of the show so i have like no idea what they're talking about but it was a really like engaging scene like i was very very into the scene between bonnie hunt and patricia arquette and i've been like waiting for us to get back to that point because like it was the very first scene in the show and then you never saw this what they're talking about again and so I'm like, I'm waiting to get back to that point in the show where like they're in this interrogation. Like, I want to see how that goes. So like, I'm, I'm in it. Nice. Like, like it's a very slow burn. Like every episode, just like a little bit happens, but it happens very effectively. And so there, it's only seven episodes. It's like a limited run series. It's only seven episodes long, and I'm on like episode five. So yeah, like I plan to, I plan to finish it. Like I've been enjoying it. Like that was a that was a good suggestion from Zach. I I really I really did like it. Shout out Zach. Thank you, Zach. It's uh, I'm, like, it's crazy. I've never even heard of it before he mentioned it. So. Me either. That's a nice uh, gem. Unseen gem. And uh, like Patricia Arquette, I guess, was like nominated for the Emmy and the Golden Globe for it. Oh. Like for like limited series or mini series. And uh, and like she has really like carved out this like niche for herself in later age playing like these just kind of old gross lonely women yeah because she would have you ever seen hulu's the act i have not she's in the act it, like have you ever heard of the story of like uh dd and gypsy rose no like it's it's very like concurrent and parallel to like the movie we watched last week run yeah like, it's about, like, this mom who, like, basically makes her daughter think she's been, like, sick for all these years and, like, has some kind of, like, syndrome where she's, like, much less developed. So, like, her daughter is, like, 18 but acts like she's, like, 9. That sounds sad. And it's it's really sad. But Patricia Arquette plays, like, the mom in that, in that show and she is lights out good and she was nominated for that as well so like she's really like done a good job of playing just these like lonely older women who are doing things that are not okay 
<laughs> like she's kind of killing it. And so good for her. Like I, I enjoyed the show. I'm going to continue watching it. Like I want to see what happens. It's based on a true story. Like I just, I want to, I want to see where the, like I don't foresee it ending well. Like I don't think it ends up with them all on a beach somewhere. So I just, I want to see how it does end. Yeah. Escape at Danamora. Yeah. That's a, uh... Escape at Danamora. Available on Amazon Prime? Correct. Okay. And anywhere you probably have Showtime, it would also be available. Okay. And uh, with that, we move on to For Your Consideration, a segment in which I pick a movie for Cameron to watch that I enjoy, and he picks a movie for me to watch that he enjoys that neither of us have seen. Yeah. So uh, why don't you start? I'll start us out. Uh, you chose for me to watch 2008 romantic comedy, of course. You, you and your romantic comedies guy. Yes, sir. definitely, maybe, starring Ryan Reynolds, starring Ryan Reynolds and How I Met Your Mother. It's how he's telling his daughter, played by Abigail Breslin, like kind of like a nighttime story about how he met her mother and. He changes the names so she doesn't know which one's her mother. And he kind of runs through these girls. And there's, let's see, there's Isla Fisher, Elizabeth Banks, Rachel Weiss, And you don't know which one's going to end up being the mother. And it's kind of like a little mystery and romantic comedy hijinks are ensuing. And yeah, that's, that's kind of the gist of it. The gist of the film. And you know what? I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. I wasn't expecting to like it because, like I told you, but I I enjoyed it mostly because of Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds Uh, is great. He's a charisma factory. He is a charisma factory. It's like last week I was telling you Eric Stoltz is a charisma whole. Ryan Reynolds is a charisma factory. This guy carries this movie and it's, it's, wonderful i think it's wonderful that's so nice to hear like i just you have not been responding well to my romantic comedies like i'm glad i i snuck one in there that you enjoyed me too man i really am like i wasn't expecting it and then yeah ryan reynolds is just so good i mean you can tell there's something about him he's something about him there's just something he's awesome there's other actors like when you watch Eric Stoltz and he's talking about how much he likes Leah Thompson or whatever. And you, I just don't feel it. I don't feel the chemistry. I, even when he ends up with Mary Stuart Masterson at the end, so it's like, I don't feel any chemistry there. And I think Ryan Reynolds could have chemistry with a rock. I'm like, he was in love with all these people and you can feel it. Like, I, I really thought Isla Fisher had amazing chemistry as well with him. Yeah. Like, she was also super charismatic, and, like, I wanted them to end up together. And that was, like, one of the one of the cool things about the movie is, like, it literally could have gone any way. Like, there were, like, three, like, Rachel Weiss, Elizabeth Banks, and Isla Fisher. It could have gone any of those ways. I liked all of them. Because, like, I... I didn't see him ending up with Elizabeth Banks because she like cheated on him at the beginning of the movie, but then she comes back into his life by the end of the movie. And I'm like, Oh no, she's back. I want him to end up with Isla Fisher. Yeah. Well, 
And so, Spoilers. It was really good. Uh, Elizabeth Banks is the girl's mother, but she's not who he ends up with at the end. He ends up with Correct. Isla, Isla Fisher. But I thought... And that scene was adorable. It was. I mean, there's so many scenes in this that were adorable. I think almost every scene with Abigail Breslin, that was during Abigail Breslin's yeah. heyday or Little Miss Sunshine era. She was great. Like, she was great. She was wonderful. Elizabeth Banks was great. Isla Fisher, Rachel Weiss, They were all good. And I liked... Kevin Klein was really good in that little role. Yeah, had. all the side characters, too. It was like Kevin Klein. Uh, I used to like the comedian Adam Ferrara. He's in it. Adam Ferrara, I yeah. always like seeing him in things. So, yeah. Yeah, overall, it was it was real good. It was real good. I enjoyed it from beginning to end and you can tell there's like the writing there's like tropes they're trying to throw in there and there's kind of cheesy romantic comedy stuff going on but ryan reynolds is so great he just kind of rises above it and makes it his own and makes it actually enjoyable like i think if you put i'm i'm hella glad you like if you put someone else in there like if you put I don't know, say 87 era Eric Stoltz in that exact role. It just, it would have been this actor reading these lines and I would have been rolling my eyes and I wouldn't have liked it nearly as much, I don't think. So he elevates it yeah. to a point. Like you said, Ryan Reynolds, there is just something about him. He's got like the it factor that you can't really script. Like you can't write how good he delivers these lines and how believable he is. Yeah, absolutely. He's Deadpool. He's great. And like it was funny because he had all these like ideals of love and what he wanted love to be. And like he was working on like the Clinton campaign. Yeah. And then like Clinton comes out to be like this womanizer and he's like, oh, I thought he was different. Uh... Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I just I thought like Isla Fisher was like a dream like i would have loved to be with her like she was just anything you could want in a chick she was super cool and snarky and beautiful adorable she was adorable absolutely and kevin klein shows up as this like kind of lover of rachel vice's character and like he's just this older sophisticated like writer alcoholic and the alcoholic and like so he was he was very heartbroken when she ended up with with Ryan Reynolds with Will like she was just like uh like tell me tell me you don't love him and she's like I can't I'm not gonna do that and he's like ah god damn it great like I'm, I'm always happy to see Kevin Klein. Like he's, he's one of my favorite, like kind of underrated actors of like the '80s and '90s. Yeah. Kevin Klein was great. Rachel Weisz was, I thought she was wonderful. I always, I always like seeing her since her Mummy, the Mummy days. I'm a big Mummy Mark, and she was gorgeous in the movie. Great. And this was like around like Elizabeth Banks is like kind of heyday as well. Like when she was in a lot of this stuff. was like like the same year as Zach and Mary make a porno, maybe a year after something like that. Yeah, but, but it's good uh, stuff, man. Yeah. What would you give it? I, I 
I think I'll give it an eight because I, I want to watch this again. I would watch this again. Nice. I feel extremely satisfied. I do too. Because like I was about to give up on you with romantic comedies and then I I threw you a curveball and you super enjoyed it. That's Throw me good. one with people I like, man. If I like the characters, then I'm <laughs> get into the movie. I would also give it an eight. Like that that would be about my ranking for it as well. So I can see myself revisiting like it just, in the future and like enjoying it again. Yeah, like if you if you enjoy romantic comedies and you haven't seen Definitely Maybe, like it's on Netflix, it's it's a really, really solid, fun little I movie. I agree. And uh, for me, Cameron had me watch the 2015 film Turbo mm-hmm. Kid. It is another dystopian <laughs> film. <laughs> we like, have a pattern. Cameron throws me these dystopian films like I throw them rom-coms. Yeah. It uh it takes place like in a post-apocalyptic kind of wasteland where this kid is like living like in a bunker, like just he goes out every day just scavenging for whatever he can find to survive. Like water is scarce. And there's like an evil overlord of the entire world named Played by Moose. Played by Michael yes. Ironside, and he he grinds up captives to make water. <laughs> like apparently, like you you grind up human beings and it creates water. Yeah, and like this this kid finds like this girl out in the middle of his scavenging, who's like follows him home and like wants to be his friend and he's like begrudgingly kind of rides with her for the rest of the movie and then they start to kind of he starts to develop a crush and like fall for her and yeah like it's it's just it's like a Mad Max kind of mixed with like a 80s like kids adventure satire it's very 80s it's like uh mad max on bmx well the whole thing takes place in the far distant future of 1997 (laughs) you see and it's just ah it's got such a great 80s feel for me and it's incredibly incredibly gory like laughably so like literally laughably so like I don't do well with gore but this gore was so over the top that I was like all <laughs> yeah. right like people get stabbed and they go off like a sprinkler fire system of blood nope. and there was one scene in which that there was one scene where I was kind of like come on man where this guy was getting tortured to death by having his intestines attached to a stationary bike. Yeah. <laughs> the man just rode the stationary bike and pulled this man's intestines out of his body and around the tire of this bike. And I was like, that's a bit, that's a bit much. Holy crap. It's a little bit much. It's... And just, it was, I don't know. I don't typically like movies like this, but like, it was like, 
just the 80s of it all like the kind of the soundtrack and the the color schemes like it just it screamed like like the goonies type of like vibe but like very r-rated and gross version of the goonies but also i think i would say extremely charming with the relationship between him and apple the girl i liked both of those characters a lot and i was invested in them quite a bit and she turns out to be a robot yeah which kind of bummed him out but I don't know, spoiler alert, like, in the end, she, like, sacrifices herself to save him. Yeah. And, I don't know, I, like, I liked it. I didn't dislike it. I didn't love it. But I, I liked it more than the other dystopian flicks I've watched. I kind of figured you would. It's a lot more sweet, which is a weird way to put it for a movie that's got such extreme gore. But it's got, like, a sweetness to it like a heart yeah and one thing I was like when I was doing my research on it that I was like shocked to find out was that like the budget for the movie was only $60,000 yeah and I'm like they pulled off a lot of things for $60,000 like you could have told me this movie cost a couple million I would have believed you like Kevin Smith made Clerks for like $27,000. And that was like he went to like the fucking corner store where he knew people and there were no location shoots. Like he just went to this store with a camera and his friends and like that cost $27,000. So like what they pulled off in this movie for twice that was fucking astounding almost. Yeah. You wonder how much of that budget went to Michael Ironside who was the only real recognizable name in it. <laughs> I think the blood budget as well. Yeah. I think I, I'm sure Michael Ironside's quote isn't as big as you'd think it'd be. He might have he might have done a favor for somebody. Maybe. I'm just saying he was the only like recognizable person there. Right. But yeah, just the the budget was really shocking to me because I was just like, man, they used every dollar of that budget like wisely. Like this movie looked a lot better than a movie that was shot for $60,000. I'll give it that for sure. I think I mentioned because just like there were so many like special effects and like it was all like it wasn't all CGI. Like there were like body parts that they had to build and create and like like, at the end of the movie, like, one guy was, like, getting shish with, like, other people's body parts. And he was just a tall, walking <laughs> bunch of body parts. And I'm like, that had to cost a bit of money to do. Yeah. So I, I was impressed. I was impressed with the filmmaking. Yeah. I think I've mentioned to you before that one of my favorite movies is uh, Peter Jackson's 1992 movie, Dead Alive. And that it, that's kind of similar yeah. to this movie in that it uses gore in such an over-the-top comedic way. I think it's kind of an art form. It's like Looney Tunes with gore. And I I love it. Well, I know you like the Evil Dead movies and like Ash versus the Evil oh, yeah. Dead. And it's like similar Ash versus to that. Evil Dead is very much a lot of that. Yeah. 
Exactly. So, so yeah, I'd probably give it like a like a I'll, seven. I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. How about you, Turbo Kid? I give Turbo Kid an eight. I give Turbo Kid an eight. I really enjoyed it. I really like the soundtrack, man. It's got that that eighties synth all the way through it. That just yeah, it's very very. It sounds heavy. great with all this stuff it, and the visuals. It just feels very eighties, but not in a like cheap way. Not in a way that's like feels like a cash grab, nostalgia kind of thing. Yeah, it felt more like a love letter to the eighties, more than like just like a look at us. We're yeah, the 80s. which a lot of things do. Even things I enjoy, but right. sometimes it feels like okay, like uh, Stranger Things or something is a little guilty of that. Sometimes, even though I enjoy it, it's like. I think Stranger Things falls into the love letter to the 80s. But they category. do get a little, in my opinion, a little nostalgia yeah. sometimes. That's a good That's a good comparison, honestly. Like, this and Stranger Things are, like, in that same vein, yeah, I think. I can see that. Like, if you enjoy Stranger Things, yeah. you'd probably enjoy this movie. Turbo Kid. All right, moving on to Ben's or Cringe. We watched HBO Max's The Flight Attendant. Which stars uh, Big Bang Theory's Kaylee Cuoco as the titular flight attendant, who is kind of like a hard partying, like young, like in her late twenties, early thirties. Just like she jet sets around, like she's an international flight attendant, and she goes to all these cities and just parties all night and drinks and hooks up with guys and like she just living her best yeah. life. And then. On one flight to Bangkok, she starts up a conversation with this attractive guy, and he, like, gives her his information, and she doesn't plan on using it, but then she's in Bangkok, and she's bored, and he's, like, rich. So she's like, yeah, I'll go out with this guy. So they go out, and they party all night and hook up, and she wakes up the next morning, and he is dead in the bed, like, she wakes up and he's just had his throat slit covered in blood and she's like holy shit like I don't remember anything like what the fuck happened and so she's in a panic being like they're gonna think I did this because I'm in the room with him and like how would I not be in the room with him and he gets murdered and I didn't know it happened So she starts, like, cleaning up the scene and, like, doing all the things you should not do if you're guilty or not guilty. And goes back on her plane, back to the States, and, like, hooks up with her lawyer friend, who is her her best friend as well. Like, she, so she's like, I'll be your lawyer. And they try to piece together what the fuck happened that night. And, like, it's it's like a murder mystery show where you just... Kaylee Cuoco, Cassie, is trying to, like, figure out what happened on that night while also, like, navigating her personal right. issues. And, yeah, that's basically the synopsis for The Flight yep. Attendant. Um, I really okay. fucking liked it. Like, I really enjoyed it. Like, I, like, for Binger Cringe, we're, like, only required to watch two episodes. Like, I've watched five. Like, I want, 
I want to see what happened. And, like, it just gets better as the show goes on. Like, it gets more and more interesting. And, like, I just think it's a blast. Like, Kaylee Cuoco is really I think she's good. very likable. Yeah. Like, she... Like, a lot of people clown on the Big Bang Theory. It's kind of a goofy, multi-camera sitcom that is, like, looked at in a... Like, either people love it or people like to hate on it. And, like... For what it's worth, I always thought she was the best part of the Big Bang Theory. Like, I always thought she was great on the show, but, like, the show's just borderline unwatchable for me because of Jim Parsons. Like, I can't, like, he just drives me insane. But she was always great on the show. What about Johnny Galecki, man? And she's the, he's good, too. Like, I like him, but, like, I, I think she's the best part, like, comedically. And she's the voice of Harley Quinn in the DC animated Harley Quinn series, which oh, I fantastic. feel like she's awesome I love that. And yeah, I thought she was really good here. Like she's really like making a name for herself as like this capable kind of comedic actress that can also do drama. And yeah, I liked her a lot. I like uh, I like Zosia Mamet from Girls, HBO's Girls. Like yeah. she plays her lawyer. Like, I thought she was really good. I like T.R. Knight as uh, her brother, Davey. Like, he's from Grey's Anatomy. I haven't seen him in anything for, like, a long time since the Grey's Anatomy, since he left that show. And, I like, there's a scene in episode four between Davey and Cassie that, like, I was almost in tears. Like, it was really, really okay. heartbreaking. Rosie Perez. And, Yeah. Rosie Perez, like yes, yeah, I just I don't know, man. I had a blast. Okay, there. I thought it was great. Maybe I got it. So I watched the the minimum two episodes, and I I have a little bit of mixed feelings on it, like because I I liked the setup. I was enjoying myself very much for the first I don't know, maybe half of the first episode, and then it just felt like there was a point where her paranoia just got kind of annoying. Like I understand you would probably be paranoid in that situation, but it just seemed like every scene was just her being stupid and like, Hey, how about them? Something. She'd be like, what? I didn't kill anybody. What? Why would you say that? Huh? What? And I was like, all right, a little bit, a little bit over. That goes away. Yeah. It seemed like it was going away towards the end of episode two. And there's some kind of interesting developments happening towards the end of episode two, but I felt like there was, a solid like as this as the show progresses she gets more and more like just into finding the killer instead of like being like they're they're gonna think i'm the killer like she gets more like okay i'm gonna figure this shit out like she becomes like i can see like and like her just her family issues with her brother is just fucking like all these like flashbacks to her childhood of like their alcoholic dad like it's it's heartbreaking yeah um yeah, the the developments toward like that doesn't towards the end of episode though. two kind of made me kind of made me want to watch more because yeah, for about an episode and a half there, I was I was pretty annoyed by that whole thing because she kept up that shtick a lot and I didn't really find it funnier. Yeah, no, I mean for what it's worth, like I I hear you. And I kind of agree, but like the things that you were annoyed by are 
borderline non-existent by like the third okay. fourth episode. Like she's like a different, more determined. Like fuck this guy. Like we're gonna figure this out. And like, yeah, just the stuff with her brother like r- hit me emotionally really hard. Like I was just I was watching it last night, just like trying not to cry. I was like, Jesus Christ! Like this is. Like, T.R. Knight was outstanding in that scene. Like, I was just like, he was so good. Like, I felt every fucking thing he was saying, like, he meant that shit and was just amazing in that fucking... Like, the scene at the end of episode four, if you keep watching, you'll know what I'm talking about. You know, you're convincing me. Maybe I'll keep watching it, because as it was, I was like, eh, maybe I'll get back to it at some point, but I don't feel a pressing need. I think it's a blast. Like, a lot of cool locations, a lot of interesting characters. Like, I love the lawyer. I love fucking T.R. Knight's brother character. Like, I like her a lot. Like, just... I don't know. Zosia Mamet from Girls was probably my favorite one of the girls on that show. And she's just really good at this as well. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, our... Our metric for Binger Cringe is will you continue watching it? I've already proved that I have. <laughs> like, not only will I, I have been. And you know what? I was going to say I'm not, but you convinced me. So that that's a that can happen. Because you watched a little more. Good. Absolutely, like man. Because I was a little ready to be over when it was in the midst of that. I think she's a good actress, but I just think the material she was given was not great for that first episode, maybe. Yeah, once you delve into, like, who she is as a person and her backstory and kind of what makes her the way that she is, like, it's it's okay. emotional and really good. Like, really great work by her and T.R. Knight. <laughs> For like the brother and sister kind of growing up in an alcoholic household where she was like the golden child and he was kind of pushed aside like it was really really good so yeah the flight attendant i i recommend it i i say give it a shot it's a blast like it's good a lot of cool yeah, locales. flight attendants they go around like they're yeah and so uh with that we move on to the main event double feature here we're going to start out with, uh, what would you like to start out with, Cameron? Yeah, why, why don't we start with Soul? Okay. So we watched uh, Disney Pixar's Soul released on Disney Plus on Christmas Day instead of theaters, which is a nice little yeah. bonus if you have Disney Plus. Um, man, that's a little bit. A tough one to summarize. It's a very layered movie. Um, that takes place like between two different planes of existence. Like it, it's about this guy named Joe Gardner, who is a music teacher who has dreams of becoming like a big time jazz musician. Like that's just his passion, his dream. He wants to be like a jazz pianist. And on the day when he finally might get his big break where he gets to play piano with like a superstar jazz singer he in his excitement he's not looking where he's going and he falls down a manhole and dies and he he's like headed on his way to the great beyond 
and is like, no, like, no, like this can't happen. Like today is my day. Like I'm not, this ain't going down like that. And he like escapes going to the great beyond and ends up in the great before where it's just this astral plane where like souls that have not yet gone to earth are like training to become living creatures. And he, and he tricks the the people there into believing that he's a mentor and he gets paired up with with 22 they're all numbers up there he gets paired with 22 who's just a hellraiser like she doesn't want to go to earth she never has like she's had all these amazing mentors in the past and she's broken them all and joe is like well good thing for you i'm not really a mentor like i just want to go back to earth and so, like, if I help you, like, they need to get this final little thing on their badge called a spark. They have these badges that, like, light up once they're ready to go to Earth, and she just hasn't found her spark yet. And he's like, if I help you find your spark, will you give me your badge so that I can go back to Earth and, like, do what I'm supposed to do? And she's like, yeah, then I can just hang out here. That works for me. And so, long story short, they kind of end up in, like, they they head back to Earth, but get swapped at the last second. So he doesn't end up in his body. He ends up in the body of like a therapy cat and she ends up inside his body. And so now he's got to like just follow her around as this cat, like telling her kind of what to do and how to act and like what being alive is all about. And yeah, that kind of. That's about halfway that's, through the movie. Yeah, that's kind of the gist there. of the film. Yeah, I liked but, it. Uh, what'd you think of it? I'd say I, I didn't love it, but I liked it. I thought they took on some pretty heavy, some pretty heavy stuff for a kids' movie, and I think for the most part they did a. Pre- that's yeah, another thing was like movie. I watched it with my kids, aged six and nine. Nice, sixty-nine, uh, but they didn't. They weren't really engaged with the film, so I agree. Much more of an adult, but yeah, it's it's way heavy for kids. You're dealing with death and (laughs) finding your life's purpose. But I think uh, for as an adult watching it, if you're an adult watching it, it's worth checking out for sure. I think it's pretty good. Pretty good. I for the most part liked it. My it's skipping towards my only real... I have one real problem, which was the ending. I thought the ending was very abrupt. And I was like, oh. It just left me wanting a lot more to happen. That was that was like my only real gripe with it, too. And it's not even really that big of a gripe. It's just like... Spoiler alert. At the end of the movie, they just allow him to go back to earth because they've inspired him or he's inspired them. And I was like, that's kind of whatever, but like, it would have been much more emotionally resonant if he had to just, he died and that's that. But, uh, I thought it was fucking beautiful, man. Like I really, really liked it. Like I just, and like the animation, like of the, the great, yeah, I like those looks so cool. Like I thought, I thought it looked really neat. The little characters that were like two D, looked like Picasso drawings or something. Really neat. 
Yeah. And like, I really liked him as the cat. I thought that was that was like the part for kids, and I enjoyed that part. I was like, Jesus. Yeah, at first cat. I wasn't into that because I wasn't into another body swap kind of thing, and I was like, eh. But then, then it gets into it, which is the heart of that whole scene, which was to get like his perspective from someone else taking over his body. Like she's asking the different kind of questions that he's never thought to right. ask. Yeah, like the whole movie, like for, I mean, like the at at its core, it's a movie about what makes life living. Yeah, what makes life worth living. And as someone who struggles with like depression, I've been like hospitalized for depression before for suicidal thoughts. Like, it affected me, man. Like it affected me just to like watch the little things like she's like maybe i could find my spark in walking or looking at the sky and just like little things that are like you take for granted that's just like whatever i gotta get to work or like people just aren't in the moment and thinking that about little tree like, leaf know, thing affected me in that level that ultimately yeah gave her the spark yeah but yeah like in the end like the, like he spent all this time trying to get her to find like her purpose but like the spark isn't like what your purpose is the spark is just like right. what lets you know you're ready to live and like she got her spark after spending that time in his body being like like eating pizza and like feeling the breeze on her face and like listening to music just like all the all of the above looking at the sky like she's just like life is cool and so she was ready to live and finally and got her spark and i just i don't know i really really liked it i i just i don't like kind of like you said man just like these these pixar films are fuck yeah such an emotional gut punch man like, it's like Disney animation is, like, where you get, like, the Tangled and Frozen and Moana and Zootopia and Wreck-It Ralph and all those movies. Like, Pixar is where you go to get, like, fucked up in your soul. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon the pun. Mm-hmm, you kind of expect it. Like, it's like, this came just, like, a year after Onward, which, like, fucking beat me up emotionally as well and i'm just like give it a rest onward was technically released in 2020 man it's been a long year yeah but still january of 2020 though yeah i'm just saying it's almost a year it's been a long year it has been a long year and this was like a nice cap to that like it was a nice like after the shit year that it's been just like this kind of movie about what makes life worth living is kind of like just what the doctor was. yeah i thought it was i thought jamie fox was pretty great and you didn't you didn't feel like it's jamie fox in there like you didn't let the i didn't i didn't at all like that was weird i'm usually like distracted by who the like tina fey played 22 yeah. and i was well aware the whole time it was tina fey yeah i thought jamie fox was great as What's it, Gardner? What's the name? Joe. Joe, Joe Gardner. Yeah. 
And yeah, just the, the animation style between the two worlds was just such like a fun transition every time it happened. Like it just it looked cool. And like there's this like purgatory area where they end up called the zone, which is like just when you're feeling yourself, when you're feeling life and you're in the zone, you're kind of in this like little area where just everything's awesome. I don't know. I, I fucking, I thought it was a beautiful movie. It wasn't the most like entertaining Pixar movie I've ever seen, but it was totally. It was lovely. I'll give it that. I'll say it was lovely. I would, uh, I would give this one probably like a, say about, okay. uh, I'll go eight. I go 7.5 just because I don't, it was lovely. I just don't see myself wanting to rewatch it that often. And, uh, it was a nice watch. My kids aren't going to be into it really. It was, yeah. I understand that. I don't. I don't think it's one that I'll revisit that often as well. But like for what it's worth, when I watch, I'm gonna it, throw I, a controversial really opinion out it. there. I actually because Onward was released in January, and I feel like it didn't get any fanfare. Like you heard hardly anything about it, especially for a Pixar film. And I, I think I like that a little more. To be honest, I really liked that movie. I thought I think I it was a lot too. of fun. Onward like was Onward a, lot a lot of fun, lot. and Onward. it hit you with the gut punch. Yeah, Onward paralleled my own life in a way that this one didn't. So I, I right. felt more in tune with it. And so, like, when the emotional gut punches hit in Onward, it was like punching me in the gut personally. Like, I was just yeah. like, oh. So I liked Onward a little more, too. No, it but doesn't detract. That doesn't detract from this film. Like, I just... They're two different movies. And they're all like Pixar. They're all good Pixar. until you like, get to the good dinosaur, which is boring much. and don't bother with it. But yeah, I would recommend it. Definitely. Anyone that has Disney Plus, obviously. What else? I mean, yeah. And like, if you're, if you're looking for a movie to watch with your younger aged kids, it might not be the one. Like, it, it did seem very much geared more towards like, adult themes and like even like i was trying to describe the movie and it was like hard for me to follow and i'm a grown-ass man like i i don't know how like a five-year-old is gonna really yeah, understand there's probably what's some happening when they're watching it weird kids out there not weird but you know that'll that'll dig it just my kids weren't really into it as much my kids like dinosaurs and fighting yes yes yeah fair enough uh, and finally, we have yeah. Wonder Woman 1984, which was released on HBO Max the same day that it was released in select theaters. So again, if you have HBO Max, although yeah, it made huge HBO numbers, Max, you probably already watched HBO. it. It's kind of like an event movie for this year, yeah. a year where we haven't had many event movies. So if you have HBO Max, you probably already watched it. And here is our review. Um, Wonder Woman is about Wonder Woman 84 is about Diana Prince she's working at like in this relic museum what's the word I'm looking for like antiques something like that yeah. archaeological relic museum something like that 
and a new girl works there who's a gemologist named Barbara Minerva, played by Kristen Wiig. And she comes across this stone that has like this Latin inscription on it. It's called like the the, the like luck that. stone or the wish stone or something. But it, it turns out that like when you're like holding this stone and make a wish, like your wish comes through, but it's like a monkey's paw situation where like your wish comes through, but something bad will come along with it. And a kind of shyster by the name of Maxwell Lord like poses as like a wealthy investor and goes to this party. He's like a struggling, like lying oil salesman. And he ends up at this party and he sees this stone and he's like, holy shit, I think I know what that is. And so he, like, seduces Barbara and ends up stealing the stone for himself and, like, makes the wish that, like, he basically becomes, like, the embodiment of the stone and can grant his own wishes. And in that fracas, like, Diana wishes, like, her her boyfriend from the last movie, Steve Rogers, was still around and... And Barbara wishes she was as powerful as Wonder Woman. And, like, just shit starts going down. Like, all of a sudden, Steve Rogers is back, who died in the first movie. And I'm like, all right, I guess there's a loophole that allowed for that. So, whatever. And so, I don't know. Like, so it's just the world starts going to shit because a bunch of people are getting these wishes granted and, like, the monkey's paw situation starts happening where this he starts becoming more and more powerful and, like, more and more egomaniacal. And Barbara turns into, like, Cheetah, like a cat person yeah. who just jumps around and beats people up. Yeah. And Wonder Woman has to save the world again. So, uh, yeah. I didn't love it. Yeah. I uh I wanted to. I like it was it was kind of cheesy. The first one's great. Like I liked the first one a lot and I I was, I was I was really ready for this one and I just it felt like it felt like if Wonder Woman was like a TV series like this like it was like a Marvel's Agents of Shield episode like it make for a good little episode of an ongoing series like but for like a tentpole uh-huh. movie it kind of Yeah, I'm going to raise you you didn't love it. I didn't like it. Like I was sorely disappointed in this movie. I thought the script was a damn mess. I was I was looking forward to your summary cuz it's like okay, put it all in order, Joel. <laughs> Yeah. I had yeah. I had a rough time with that summary. It's a lot of nonsense going on. A lot of nonsense. I don't even know where to start, like where my disappointment starts. I'll say it starts with everybody's complaint right now, which is like, why was this movie set in nineteen eighty four? There's literally no reason for that. It doesn't take advantage of that in any way. Not really, other than Steve Rogers being like, oh, like... This is, yeah, we were talking about nostalgia in a bad way. I think this is nostalgia in a bad way. It's like, ooh, we're wearing fanny packs. They didn't even play any 80s music or anything. 
and like Barbara goes to work out and she's wearing like a full kind of hot jazzer size leotard. <laughs> that was another thing that 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 trope has kind of played <laughs> out the uh like the Jamie Foxx and Amazing Spider-Man 2 kind of thing where it's like, "Oh, I'm so nerdy." And then She wasn't Jamie Foxx in the Spider-Man 2. That was a direct I'm so nerdy and blah 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 and it's like, "No, you're not." Like, she was, like, the mousy, she was the mousy fucking, like, put-upon co-worker that, like, comes in with frazzled hair and glasses and, like, turns into a cat. Like, she was fucking Catwoman from Batman Returns, like, almost to a T, except for, like... It's like, maybe you're the nerdy, uncool person when Gal Gadot is the other woman in the office, I guess. Because, yeah... But ultimately, yeah. that Kristen Wiig's character overall did basically nothing for me. I wasn't I wasn't into it. I would I wouldn't get a lot of work done if I was no. in an office where Gal Gadot was walking no. around. I'd say one thing I kind of liked, even though it was cheesy and way way cheesy, I'll say is uh, Pedro Pascal as Maxwell Lord. He just took it. To such an over-the-top place, I couldn't help but kind of be into it. I was like, yeah, yeah like you said, right. like a shyster con man. I just, yeah, there was so many things I didn't understand when, when he's like, when he picks up the wish stone, he's like, I wish I was you. It was like, I mean, what if it just, what if you just turn into a rock? <laughs> That's what, like, yeah, exactly. Like that was a that was a high and I didn't risk, understand the situation. wish situation. Like he'd have, so then he'd have to have people touch him and wish things for him. But sometimes they'd wish things for themselves, and Correct. it would benefit him somehow. He's like, okay, and in return, I'll take your oil. Like what? Well, yeah, like he. No, like I, yeah. Like when he's like in the car, he's like, "Don't you wish there was no traffic?" <laughs> I'm like, "You just made this motherfucker yeah. waste his wish on there being no traffic." But like, the end of the movie, I was like, <laughs> "What?" Is when she lassoed his leg and spoke through him. And got every single person in the yeah, world just by going, to wish to the world is beautiful wish. before you wished. I'm like, I'm going to be sitting there with a pile yeah. of a billion dollars in my house. Like, no, no, it wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> like I was like, that was a pretty epic speech to make every single person in yeah. the world give up the one thing they've ever wanted. Like, maybe you get a couple of them. A couple of bleeding hearts will be like, okay. But every person who made a wish is just like, you know what? She's right. Yeah, it was garbage. <laughs> it was a dude. garbage thing. I, was like, I thought it didn't happen, I guess, which is nice that it wasn't as predictable. But with these these wish movies like this, I thought she was just going to be like, I wish none of this had happened or something. Which would have made more sense because it's like, you go forward to Batman v Superman or Justice League, he's like, hey guys, remember in 1984 when that fucking crazy shit happened? <laughs> like, that's a pretty big deal. 
The world yeah. went to fucking chaos for a day. It was. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm sorely. I'm disappointed. Like I, was, I like I was the opening really scene with Princess Diana as a little kid, like in a Olympic Games contest. I thought that was cool. That was kind of cool. Yeah, that set it off like a rollicking adventure kind of thing. And then the, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind HBO Max like greenlighting a series about like young Diana starring that little actress before she gets too old. Ah, the the Chris Pine, Steve Rogers stuff. I didn't Steve Rogers, right? I don't. Is that Cap? That's that Captain America, Steve Trevor. That's. Steve Trevor. Steve Rogers. Okay. Yeah. Steve Trevor. It just, it was weird. (laughs) That whole thing was really weird. Taking over that guy's body. Like, where, where is that guy dead in his mind now for a few days? Like, it just. Yeah. That's, that's what I thought as well. Is like he took over the soul of this other living person who just, she had no concern for. She's like, I'm glad you're back. And like this other dude, like <laughs> fucking Jeff or whatever, he just, just like, wakes up ah, one day and he's like, ah. "Why am I wearing these clothes? What? Why is my penis itchy?" Uh, it was. It was. How could he fly a man. jet? Like he'd flown a biplane, <laughs> and all like, of a sudden I... he could fly a jet. And Wonder Woman gets her invisible jet with some magic shit that she's never had. Oh, I just, oh, so much of it I did not like. I don't know what it is about DC that they cannot get their shit together like Marvel. Like what, what needs to happen for these DC movies to be worth it? Because they're not like Wonder Wonder Woman was good. I kind of like Shazam. I know it was fun. Shazam was all right. But yeah, Wonder Woman 1984. But yeah, it was fun. It wasn't like there was no yeah. lasting effects of Shazam. Yeah. Like, like Shazam's not like in the yeah, Justice League was or whatever. Weird. I thought Aquaman was pretty lame. I just like, why are Marvel movies so transcendently fucking good? And, like, it gets me hype for a superhero movie, and then I get this, yeah. and I'm just like, this wasn't what I wanted. Even the special effects, like, like Marvel, like, when Spider-Man's, like, flying through the city, it looks seamless and amazing. It looks cool. I thought Wonder it Woman's looked bad when she was that, pokey, dude. right after the opening scene when she's in the mall. I'm like, ew, I don't yeah. like the way this looks. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That's like the scene where I was just like, why is she like gliding through the air just like on a rope? Like, this looks awful. And like when you see, yeah, like Spider-Man flying around or Iron Man flying around, it looks amazing. It was just more disappointing because I thought the action in Wonder Woman, the first Wonder Woman was pretty good. Like the, the no man scene and when she's in that town laying waste to tanks and stuff. I thought that was all cool. But in this, when she's like fighting Cheetah, yeah. it just looks like ass, dude. That fight is was shit. It was a it CGI horrible. shit fest. It looked horrible. It looked like uh, the 
2008 yeah, Incredible Hulk movie when I the don't... Hulk is fighting Abomination. You're just like, I, I can't connect to any of this. Uh, I, I expected most Patty Jenkins. They're making like a third I'm one. Bummed out. Yeah. Because the numbers were staggering. I got to make up for this one. Was it going to be Wonder Woman 2000? <laughs> like, like, yes. <laughs> It'll just be called 2000 and, and people will be wearing Jinko jeans. I don't. I, DC could like disband and I'd be okay with it. Like DC Studios. I, I like, I don't uh, need. I'm kind of looking like forward this. to the Batman. Like, the worst Marvel movie, like, the worst Marvel movie is yeah. better than this by the bounds. I'm kind of looking forward to the Batman just because I like uh, Robert Pattinson and I like Paul Dano, so. I like the idea yeah. that they're bringing back, like, Michael Keaton, too. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I don't have It's hard for me for and it. Batman. Although they did, like yeah, I no. didn't like the other Ben Affleck Batman movies. No, those weren't good. So, like, like I was kind of hyped for like the Zack Snyder Justice League cut, and now I'm like, I don't really care. Like, I'll watch it, I guess, but I Sad, don't man. care anymore. It is because, like gone fucking like a year and a half now without any Marvel movies like fucking give me something I guess like the Marvel TV series are going to start pumping out here starting next month so I guess yeah, I can that's look true. forward to that you're a Marvel guy man and well when it comes to like are TV not? and movies and stuff it looks like I am because Wonder Woman 1984 uh, you know, yeah, nah. I'll give it a. I don't even know five. What to give it. I'll like, go to. I guess I, you know what? I'll say four point five. I was gonna just because go like there's parts in it. Like I said, I like Pedro Pascal. He was kind of entertaining to watch, but overall, no. Yeah. And like three of those oh, yeah. four She's are nice to look at. I like looking at Gal Gadot. <laughs> That's like Kristen three Wig of my good four too. rating is like she looks nice. Kristen Wig. Kristen Wig, sir. No, no, I find Kristen Wig attractive. She looked kind of so off to me. She is attractive. Like I just so I did uh, the guys like in the movie because with her hair. like she every guy that saw her tried to rape her <laughs> in the movie. It was a that was a thing that kept happening. So yeah, that's why. Yeah, that was my favorite scene. I honestly, enjoyed that. Yeah, just like kicking but that homeless that was down the street. As much nuance as she got. And then, like, the dude came out and sees her just kicking this guy around. And he's like, hey, what are you doing? She's like, mind your business. <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right. She just takes off running. Like, just beat the effing shit out of this guy. 
So yeah, there there you have it. Wonder Woman is yeah. Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four is not the business. Yeah. So if you haven't good. watched it yet and you have HBO good. Max, I wouldn't even recommend you need to, um, but you probably will or have because it's the tentpole movie. Yeah. Like even if you even if you enjoy watching these kind of movies because they look awesome, this does not look awesome. So yeah. you can you can just cross that off right away. But uh, anyway, so next week we will have for you another edition of For Your Consideration, as well as a review of uh, Cobra Kai Season 3. So if you have not seen Cobra Kai, we recommend that you get into it yeah, because we're, we're going to into Season 3 next week. And it's it's a great series. We're, we're, yeah, Cobra Kai is awesome. We recommend that you... You try and get caught up so you can follow along with us. If not, we highly recommend you skip over that portion of the show. And uh, we will be reviewing David Fincher's Mank, as well as the new George Clooney film. Oh, okay. I forget the name of it right now. The Midnight I've heard things, but I'll see. We'll see. That's what it's called. Something Midnight. Yeah. But, uh, Yeah, so we will see you next week. Until then.